if the cash flow makes sense, you can take over debt and pay the seller to get the hell out of there. So we're not buying property anymore. We're actually buying cash flow. Welcome to the Big Fat Real Estate Checks Podcast with Marco Kozlowski, where we help investors like you get the knowledge and skills you need to replace your J-O-B with passive cash flow for life. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another hopefully exciting podcast. This is uh, Marco Kozlowski, and this is Big Fat Real Estate Checks, and uh, we've quickly become uh, close to number one uh, in podcasts, which is extremely exciting. Thank you so much to the listener, you, who is downloading and listening to this and uh, getting this information, and we really appreciate your uh, kind feedback and your honest feedback, and uh, we're really excited to give you as much content as possible. And uh, the more reviews you leave, the better it is for everybody. And we want to give this information to as many humans as possible. So you can quit your day job, quit things you hate doing, and start doing the things you absolutely love and have cash flowing real estate take care of you instead of you having to bust your ass doing what you do on a daily basis to never have the time that you, to do things that you love which is the whole point of this uh, experience. And of course, I couldn't do this without my two compadres, uh, Gabriel Araish from Montreal and Frank Galuccio from Toronto. And today we're going to be discussing uh, taking over debt. Uh, This is something that seems almost like witchcraft and wizardry. It's Harry Potter shit, but it's really not. Uh, It's the, the art and skill that has mostly been lost among even real estate professionals on how to take over a debt subject to the existing mortgage, which is just taking over the the property, owning the property, but the debt that's there staying in place. So we're going to discuss that. And if you're scratching your head wondering, well, how is it possible for me or for me to buy a property from someone else that has a mortgage, they leave, the mortgage that they had stays and I own it and the bank doesn't call the note due, which they could. But if you have the right structures in place, it's illegal. It's impossible. And that's what we're going to discuss today. It's it's going to be a strategy that is going to be extremely effective coming in the, the wave of uh, pre-foreclosures and foreclosures that should happen, considering there are over 40 million people that have not made their mortgage payment uh, at this time. And as people don't make their payments and people can't catch up because of the economic cycle that's coming up, creates pre-foreclosures and foreclosures. And if only half of those are not able to catch up, it's still 20 million plus and in the great crash of 2008, there was uh, 12.8 million. So it's still considerably more than what happened in the crash. And this was the best uh, time to buy real estate. And it opened up another opportunity, which is available to us again. In fact, you could still do it today, but the opportunity is ripe like a peach, ready for the picking and uh, taking debt uh, subject to the existing mortgage. And most people do not believe that Every mortgage can be taken over, but it is absolutely true. If you know how, every single mortgage can be taken over. I didn't say assumed, I said taking over. So that's the topic. I hope you're excited about it, because I certainly am. Who wants to start the conversation? I'll start it off. Thanks, Marco. It's Frank here. So yeah, so you know what? When before we met you, it is witchcraft. It, it is like the old calligraphy. Everyone, you know, the, the older people with the some gray on top know what calligraphy is, but the newer people don't. And it it is lost because it hasn't been used. And I know when you first mentioned it, it's like subject to, and I was like, subject to what? 
right? So it's like a, a commandment or something like that. And then, you know, to take over a debt, so taking over versus assume, I think 99% of the, the, the population don't know this even exists. And, you know, the, the banksters did a very good job, you know, putting this underneath the rug for many years because the benefits that come with it. So uh, I, I know when we first got started, my wife and I, and we were looking for subject to properties and, you know, the ability to take over an existing debt. And basically what you're doing is just you're leveraging. You're leveraging what's already there. So if there's already a debt there, the bank's getting paid. They're happy. So basically, if everyone knows, you know, amortization, if you go onto Google and do amortization, you know, you know, when, when you get a new mortgage, they typically pay more in interest in, in, in the beginning. Then you pay a little bit more interest and uh, principal in the middle. And then towards the end, when it matures, you pay a lot more principal than you do interest. So they kind of put that under the rug very well for the average Joe Blow uh, not to know about it. And it's a strategy that successful people in real estate use, which I was totally oblivious to. I, I, I didn't even know it was even on forms. And it, and it is legal. You just have to know the right people. And in fairness, I think most people don't know about this. And as for the banks, I think the the, the issue that they have as well is that they've qualified the initial owner they they don't get to qualify you know whoever takes uh the subject to loan right so that's sort of the bank side of it let's start with uh, the history as to why this even exists number one and why it's possible so before the 80s or during the 80s the interest rates were double digits 18 percent that was the the prime rate was 18 19 percent which is massive so imagine you, you you go to a bank and you have an 18, 19% mortgage. You can get a 20% mortgage, which is almost usury at this point. In certain states, you can't even get a 20% interest rate. Some states are in a 18% max. Anyway, it's and but the the prime was super high. And so you have you you're going to the bank to get a mortgage and they're gonna give you like a 19% interest rate, which is ridiculous. That I don't know who could ever afford that. And number two, the mortgage that was already in place that someone was already paying was at 8%. So do I want to get a new loan at 20% or do I want to take over the existing loan that's there at 8%? Obviously, you want to take over the existing loan. And the banks created amortization schedules. Uh, as Frank was saying, an amortization schedule is heavy on the interest on the front end. There's three trimesters in a mortgage. The first trimester is mostly interest. The second is half and half, and the third is going to be all principal. Because the banks know every five to seven years you're going to move. So they're going to make all their money on the front end. And if someone stays in the house, and eventually they get it paid off, but you're paying your house many times over, over a 25-year period. You're, it's, 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 it's really getting paid off over a long period of time. Um, so you've got this mortgage that's there. Why not just step into it and just give the person you know, money to walk out? And that's what was going on in the 80s. And there was no due on sale clause, uh, meaning that as soon as the mortgage changes hands, there's no due on sale, which means, you know, the banks couldn't do anything about it. And they said, well, screw this. We're going to add a due on sale clause, meaning that as soon as there's a sale, the mortgage is due and payable. So they can foreclose on the property if the, there's a change of ownership. That's what the due on sale clause is. So this was happening in the 80s and it was really hurting people. And uh, politicians actually cared about people back then. Well, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Uh, where uh, and there's a there's a there's a senator uh, or a, a politician. I'm not sure if it's a senator or politician. I have to do my research um, out of Utah. Uh, and uh, they they created the Garn Saint Germain Act. 
And the Garden St. Germain Act, uh, which was initiated in 1986, is a federal law. And it basically says that if you put your property into a trust, uh, it avoids the due-on-sale clause. It is a non-due-on-sale clause and action which or event, which means that if I own a property and I put it into a trust and the bank finds out it's put into a trust, there's a federal law that prohibits them from taking over the, for, from, from, for closing. They can't take it over. Now they can ask for the trust documents to make sure that the owner is still the owner. That is, that's completely acceptable just to make sure that their interests are protected, but we have a solution for that. But if you put the property into a trust, a land trust specifically, uh, it avoids a due on sale clause. And that's the Garn St. Germain Act of 1986. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that go, you can Google that. And even on a HUD-1 settlement statement on line 203, right. I believe, it's subject to the existing financing or subject to the existing loans. So this is, and HUD-1 is a federal document. Uh, it's on the HUD. And most real estate agents don't even know that this is a possibility of doing things because, again, it's something that used to be done a lot in the 80s. And as banks become more aggressive in changing things the way they do things, they make a lot of money on origination fees, as Frank was saying, on, you know, on, on, on points, on this, on this, on that. And they want you to get a new loan because banks make most of their money on the front end. First the beginning, trimester. Right? The, the, the beginning of the mortgage. So exactly. So the more, the, thank you, uh, Gabriel. So the, the more loans they generate, the more the bank makes. So it's, it's, it's really a system to make the banks a lot of money. So the counterbalance to that is, if you understand how to put a property into a land trust, and we're not going to get into the intricacies of a land trust. In fact, we can do that on another episode um, and walk through what a land trust is. But the power of this, as long as it's up to four units, I'm going to say this again, as if you have an apartment building and it's five units, a land trust has no value as far as putting the property into a land trust and avoiding the due on sale clause. You can still put things into a trust no matter how many units it is, but it's not going to avoid the due on sale clause. The only um, sort of uh, loophole is for one to four units on the land trust. So putting the property in a land trust allows you to, if it's done properly, avoid the due on sale clause, take over someone's mortgage, because once it's in a trust, you can actually control that trust. So if it's put in the Frank Galuccio trust, but I own that trust or I'm the beneficial interest of that trust, I can actually end up owning Frank's house and make payments on the house. If I stop making payments, it's going to get foreclosed on, which is terrible for Frank and terrible for me because I lose the property and I don't have to qualify for the mortgage. So it's a really, really beautiful thing. And so that's, those are sort of the mechanics. Now, why is this important? Why are we talking about it now? Well, what do you think is going to be happening as the, the tidal wave of delinquencies continues where 40 some million people have not made their mortgage or rent payment? That's going to trickle down into you know foreclosures or pre foreclosures, which is going to trickle into the economy. Not you know values coming down, and so boys, how do we take advantage of this? I've done all the talking right now. Well, do we want to give an example so of help me out here? Um, how someone would, would would kind of do this on a high level basis? So absolutely, if, uh, we take two thousand eight for example, and this is what obviously we expect in the coming months is that property values will come down. So someone who got into a property not long ago, say uh, they bought a house for uh, $150,000, they have a $125,000 mortgage on it. it. It could be, or at least that's what happened in 2008, is that values dropped. So that house was now worth somewhere around $65,000, $75,000, but still had a $125,000 mortgage. So 
obviously, if we're looking at it just from a value standpoint, everybody's like, "Well, I'm never going to buy this. I can't. I can't buy that. It's. It's. I'm buying it for, for more than it's worth. Or there's more debt on it. The seller will never sell it. So the solution is is what? Well, using this Garn Saint Germain Act. Now, obviously, you're going to have to look at the cash flow side of this, and I'm not sure if we're going to get into the math right now, but. Ultimately, if you decide that this is a good deal for you and that you want to get into this property, then that property, if you're just going to take over the mortgage, because obviously if it's worth 75, uh, you're not going to give them any cash. It's going to be easier for you to get into the property just by servicing the debt. So doing that would, would require that property or that seller to put the property into a trust. And from there, you as the buyer could buy the trust and then you become the beneficiary of that trust. So doing that will not trigger the due on sale clause. And then you can continue servicing the debt and eventually paying off that mortgage while making all the cash flow in the process. So that's how you would do it high level. Obviously, there's paperwork to be done. There's probably a little bit of an educational site for the seller to understand how we're doing this, why we're doing this. But the Garden St. Germain Act uh, does allow that up to four units again, not more than four units. That's definitely one of the solutions. And that's something that's in the next coming months is is we're expecting some sort of tsunami that's going to be similar to 2008, if not worse. Uh, there's going to be tons and tons of, of these types of solution or debt takeovers. So you might also be thinking, well, why would I take over a debt that the value is less than its value? Well, if the cash flow is there, let's say you have three tenants that are paying $1,000 a month each, and the mortgage payment is $1,000. So you're making $3,000 of gross revenue, and you're going to keep, let's call it $2,000, and your debt's $1,000, you're still making $1,000 a month. So even if the property's upside down, even if the value is lower than what the mortgage is, it's still cash flowing like crazy. And if you can get into that property with no money at all, where the seller just wants to bail, or I don't know, they want five or six grand upfront because they don't want to wait. They only make a thousand dollars a month and they'd like to get six months and get the hell out of there because they're getting a divorce or they have medical issues or they're relocating or whatever their situation is. Here's some cash. Get out of here. I don't know about you, but would you pay six, seven thousand dollars for a thousand dollars a month in revenue? All day long, I'd pay $10,000 for $1,000 a month in revenue. I'd get my money back in less than a year. So if the cash flow makes sense, you can take over debt and pay the seller to get the hell out of there. So we're not buying property anymore. We're actually buying cash flow. So not only do I look at values as whatever the values are. So if I'm buying a property I want to buy with cash or with asset-based lenders, I need to be at 30% off. But if I'm taking over debt, that matrix completely changes. And it's just an extra tool that you can use to be very effective in your real estate investing portfolio. I see this a little bit different than you, Gabe. I think, yes, uh, home values will go down or get adjusted, but I don't think it's going to be the slash that we've seen in, in 2008. What I'm starting to see, and I, I think we were you know, texting each other on some deals, and I go, it's starting, it's starting, is, is, is some homeowners that missed a payment or two. Uh, let's take your example. The, the, you know, the, someone bought a property um, for 150 They have a mortgage for 125 I just see they're in arrears now for you know two payments or three installments on their mortgage. What some people are doing before the banks do file for the foreclosure and, and serve their list pendants and whatever is they're trying to 
take out whatever equity they have left in it. Because if the banks foreclose, you can forget about that $25,000 equity they have. So what I'm seeing is, is that, that the individual that owns that home for 150 and has a mortgage for 125, maybe behind two, three uh, payments, they're like, you know what? If I can suck out 20K out of this property, I'm out of here. So this is where you can step in. If you're educated and you have the right people on your team is to take over that existing debt, as Marco and Gabe explained. So you, you take it over, put in the trust and just pay out the owner. Say, here, you want to walk away with 20K, 15K? Here's your 15K. See you later. That, so you do two things. You're helping him out because number one, he's, he's taking some equity out. So kudos. Otherwise he wouldn't have got that if it went into foreclosure. Number two, he didn't go into foreclosure, which would have been a, a big backslash to his, his credit. He would have been screwed for the next seven years because his credit score would have went down to, you know, from 700, maybe down to 300. And it would have took him so many years to, to bring it back up. So you're saving him on that front. So it's a kind of a win-win situation where he's taking out some equity. Uh, you're taking over the debt. You're, you're buying a property for 20, 25,000. Here you go. Uh, let him walk. So I, I don't know any business where you can, <laughs> you know, take out 20, 25,000, which you don't even have to use your own money for that part of it and, and get into a property and still help the other individual. So it's an awesome thing. Win, win, win. If you know what you're doing. Yes, and you're uh, and you're stepping into a mortgage that has a very low interest rate. Um, they were giving away mortgages uh, for one and a half, two percent, because at one point Prime was at zero. Well, Prime wasn't at zero, but they they were lending at zero plus whatever a few points because the banks have to make some money because they don't make enough, obviously. So they have to you know they have to pay the bills. If in a year from now you're taking over a loan that's matured a little bit and it's not a hundred and fifty thousand dollar property, it could be a five hundred thousand dollar property, and the person they just want ten, fifteen grand to walk away. You're buying a really nice property. The property I'm living in, I bought subject to the existing mortgage. Uh, I paid 50 grand for my house. That's worth a, few, you know, a million plus. So it's a way, it's a tool, it's a strategy to get into, uh, and I'm Canadian. Uh, I, you know, I, anyone can do this. I, I do want to say you don't, you don't have to be pre-approved or pre-qualified or ev- the bank doesn't even know you exist. You could put it into your dog Rufus's name if you want to. So it doesn't matter who's taking over that debt. As long as the debt is serviced, you can get into any size property up to four units, a, a mansion. You could buy a $150 million mansion, give the guy a few bucks or a gal a few bucks and here's some money, get out of here and you own the property and everything in it. When I was doing luxury property, that's how I bought most of the houses I've ever lived in is taking over subject to. So it's, it's a very powerful tool. I highly recommend that you get educated on it and get mentored so you can get walk through a, the, the conversation that he needs to happen because there's going to be a lot of pushback if you don't position this correctly. You don't say, hi, my name is Marco. I want to put your property into a trust and make your payments. That's not how you're going to start a conversation and get someone to want to do business with you. It's, there's a process that will get you where people will say, please make my payments. I need you to make my payments because if you don't do it, I'm going to lose my property. Thank you so much for your help. Uh, that's how the conversation will end. And in order to get there, there are very specific steps that you have to use and follow in order to get the maximum results. So um, without getting too heavy, I think we covered it uh, as much as we can. And uh, gentlemen, just, oh, uh, do you have something else to add, Gabriel? Well, I was just going to add, like, how many how many properties do you think you can acquire if if you 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 had that skill, considering what's coming up, and that essentially most properties are going to be worth a little bit less, if not a lot less, than the debt that's there. So you can you can pretty much get into a property with you know nearly no money down, if not no money. I mean, we always do it with no money down, but if if you want to do it the old fashioned way, that's up to you. 
But how many properties do you think you can get into? And that's really the question that you should ask yourself with what's coming up. The answer is as many as you want. That when I first started doing the business in '99, I did over 100 houses my first year doing exactly that, taking over debt. It was taking candy from a baby. Once you have a specific skill set, you can do it over and over and over again. These are properties in Florida, uh, where you know it was it was a it was a flat market at that time, and it was very easy to do. And I bought them all over the place, so it was. It's very exciting. Absolutely. Looking forward. Frank, any last words? Actually, yeah. I just wanted to touch real quickly. Uh, like being a foreign national, I'm, again, I'm, I'm from Toronto. Uh, Gabe's also, and even Marcos. As are there, we're, all, we're all three foreign nationals, but we do business in, in the States and Marco lives in the States. But you brought up an interesting thing where most of us, not that we can't get a mortgage down in, in the States in a foreign country, but uh, we're not going to get those attractive rates. So that just adds to another advantage on, on implementing this like this strategy is to get into a mortgage that you otherwise wouldn't have qualified, not because of your financial situation, or maybe maybe it even is for your financial situation. Uh, you, you may have not, not even two dimes to rub together, but doing this method or this strategy just pushes that to the side or avoids all that where you can get a good rate. It could be a mature mortgage. It could be in the you know, second trimester, and it, you could do it as a foreign national, which is the genius about it. That's what gravitated me to it. I was like, shit, this is gold, Jerry. This is gold. Well, not Jerry, but Marco. <laughs> He's the one who introduced it to us. <laughs> I didn't right, invent it. it. It's, it's, it's been around for a while. I just, it, something you, I learned. Yeah, you didn't invent it, but 99% of the population, uh, let's face it, don't know this shit. It's, nope. I don't want to call it the uh, wizardry or whatever, but it, it is things of the elite and people didn't know how to do it. And I think I think wizardry is when you pee on something, but uh, <laughs> it's. <laughs> well, I didn't intend that. It's, it's wizardry. Wizardry. Yeah, yes. yes. Is, well, yes, the Frank yes, dictionary. So well, English is not your first language, so I respect that. It's uh, it's Italian. So, listen, ignorance is very expensive. So, if you don't have credit, don't want to use your credit, or don't care about your credit, you can step into a property subject to the existing financing. Learn how to put the right paperwork together, so it's impossible for banks to take it back, even if they know that you own it. There's nothing they can do legally. You're protected federally from a federal law that insists that you stay and keep the property as long as you make the payments. So it's a very powerful tool. And of course, the more you learn, the more you earn. And I'm excited to help you and as many people as possible achieve financial independence so you don't have to do things that you have to do, but do the things that you want to do. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. We appreciate you. And I really look forward to the next one. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Gabriel. And thank you, Frank. Have a great day. If you like this episode of Big Fat Real Estate Checks, then show some love by leaving a comment and a good rating. Also, as a thank you for tuning in today, we've got a special free gift. The journey to passive cash flow for a life starts by finding deals, and it's easier than you think. Simply go to getdealsbytuesday.com, enter your email address, and we'll send you a free quick start course called Deals by Tuesday. Even if it's 11 p.m. Monday night, this course will show you how to find discounted real estate deals by Tuesday. It's that fast and simple. Go to getdealsbytuesday.com and start your journey toward life-changing cash flow today. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.